This week on the Colin and Samir podcast, we talk about realizing our dream of making a movie. We've had this dream for a while, and we've talked about it quite a bit on this podcast. We've always wanted to make a documentary, screen it in front of people, and then have millions of people watch it. And all of that actually happened within a week's time. On this episode, we talk about how it happened, how we felt during the process, and how it feels now to reflect back on realizing a dream of ours. All right, so this episode opens up in Colin's apartment as we reflect on making our first movie. What did you say in that blog post that you wrote about it, connecting the dots? That it just goes to show you can't connect the dots moving forward. So things only make sense to you looking backwards. So let's make this make sense. So, so what, what we're talking about here yeah, sorry. is... <laughs> that didn't make much sense. <laughs> so what we're talking about here is um, not last last week. Yeah, last yeah. week. Almost exactly a week ago today, sorry, exactly a week ago today, we released our first movie. We premiered it in Venice seven days ago. And that was always a dream of ours. Now, seven days prior to that, I don't think we knew that we were really going to make a movie. No, we had no idea. We had no idea. And like we've said many times, it's been a goal of ours to make a documentary and to screen it in front of people. And... Amazingly, it, it happened in the course of a week. We screened it in front of people. It came out on YouTube. We collaborated with Yes Theory on it. And you know, the idea here is that for the last two years, our vision of what it was going to look like to make a full-length documentary and screen it in front of people probably was more so along the route of taking it to like Sundance or some big film festival and spending six months to make it and having it come out on Netflix or something like that. But now that this experience has happened, of course, the movie was made in collaboration with friends we've met on YouTube. Of course, it was released on YouTube, where you know that's been our home for our content for the last seven years. And of course, it was made in the course of a week, because we've always made our best work under serious constraints. So that's where this makes sense, that like we could have never known that this is the way that a full-length documentary would have transpired for us. But now that it has happened, when you connect the dots, it actually makes total sense. But before that, we could have never looked forward and and sort of guessed that this is how it would happen. Yeah, and I think, <clears throat> I think what's really interesting is there's been many moments in my life and in our career where it's been hard to recognize when you are realizing a dream. Mm-hmm. And... The reason is because when you dream of it, it looks a lot different than when it happens in reality. And you really have to take a step back and say, am I, wait, hold on. Like you and I have talked for years about making a documentary, premiering it and having millions of people watch it. All those things happened last week. And it's really crazy to try and sink in and be like, oh my, like, wow, that thing happened that we've been talking about for years. Luckily, I think for us, when the guys from Yes Theory reached out to us about this opportunity, we did take a second sink in and think, wait, actually, this is it. Mm -hmm. This is the opportunity to make a documentary and not, you know, let it pass us by. So let's take um, a bunch of steps back and, and tell you how we got there. 
So as probably most of you know who are listening to this podcast, we've become friends with um, Yes Theory. Yes Theory is a group of guys who believe that the best things in life are on the other side of your comfort zone. Um, they, they push the limits of what that means uh, in, in your daily life, what it means to say yes to things that you might not typically say yes to, um, what it means to share that message on YouTube. They've pushed the limits of storytelling on YouTube. We've become very close friends with them. We've collaborated with them on, on a lot of different things, most notably probably the jump with Will Smith when they challenged Will Smith to jump out of a helicopter of the Grand Canyon. We went and helped produce that piece. And we've always talked to them about making longer form content, making longer form videos and exploring what it means to go deeper on producing with them. So they went to Poland for four days with a guy named Wim Hof. And Wim Hof is commonly referred to as the Iceman. He is this sort of superhuman endurance athlete that is known for pushing the boundaries of what was thought possible. He can, you know, stay under or stay in freezing cold water for over 10 minutes. He ran a half marathon, I believe, in the desert without training or water. He climbed Mount Everest uh, in just board shorts. So like this guy does some really wild stuff and it all comes back to the power of your mind, meditation, breathing. He has these different methods that um, he believes can help you overcome things that you might not think were possible. And that have actually been backed by science. Yeah, but it, probably one of the most interesting things about Wim Hof, the thing that really um, piqued my interest is just seeing that they injected him with an E. coli virus mm -hmm. and he was able to fight it with breathing and meditation. And I, I come from a like Eastern family, right? Like I'm from an Indian family. So this is all very, a lot of like folklore that I heard when I was growing up, like don't take medicine, don't take, you know, pills. You can do all this by yourself, mm -hmm. it's inside of you, all that stuff. So I was really attracted to this story. And quickly, the idea behind it is that there's this deeper part of the brain that is responsible for survival that mammals activate all the time because they're not thinking, they're just acting. And because as humans, we've put ourselves in environments where we are so comfortable, you know, air conditioning, heating, uh, clothes, we, we are never really forced to survive. And so we're not activating that deeper part of our brain and blood is not going to that part of the brain. And if you don't use it, then uh, it just becomes weaker. And what Wim does with his method is find ways for you to have to survive, whether that's exposure to extreme cold or through this breathing method that sort of activates your adrenaline. And the idea here is that he actually allows you to tap into that deeper part of the brain to then do things that were not normally thought possible. So Amar, uh, one of the members of Yes Theory, Amar called us maybe like <laughs> a couple days uh, prior to when we started working on the project, but he called us saying like, Hey, look, we, we came back from Poland. We spent four days with Wim Hof. Um, they, Wim took them through all kinds of different exercises, um, pretty wild things that he's actually never done before with groups of people. So this was some really interesting footage and some really interesting stories. And Amar said, we, we have a sense that this might be longer than a typical YouTube video. We have a sense that this might be something that could feel like a, like a documentary, would you guys be willing to collaborate on this? And so our first step was, hey, let, okay, let's look at the footage. So we got hard drives with the footage and we were actually heading off to Mexico. And I want to tell this part of the story because it's part of the reason why I was very intrigued by it. Um, but 
I was watching the footage on an airplane sitting next to Owen Wilson. Whoa. <laughs> and that was a wild How about experience. That <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother story. But he turned over and he was like, oh, Wim Hof. I love Wim Hof. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, you know who Wim Hof is? And he was like, yeah, you know, I've actually had him over to my house to like do breathing exercises with me and meditation. He was like, a lot of people in, in Hollywood do it. I was like, wow, that's really interesting. And when we landed, you and I started talking more and we said the word Wim Hof and someone in line for immigration turned around and was like, whoa, how do you guys know Wim Hof? Like I do the breathing every morning. Mm-hmm. And so that, that experience of like watching the footage, talking about the story and hearing that people's interest was so piqued just by the name Wim Hof, I was like, wow, this is, this is a story that has a lot of legs. This is a story that a lot of people are interested in. And then also from watching the footage, I think you, you know, I turned to you and said, is there a story? Yeah. I mean, that first night I sat and watched about three and a half hours of selects. Uh, one of the team members at Yes Theory cut it down from 13 hours of footage. I watched three and a half. And even without proper editing and music or any type of VO, I was sitting there thinking, this actually is a story. I mean, I was so hooked on what I was watching that I knew we should do it because I just knew there was a story there. Had I watched it and thought, you know, there's no climax here, there's no plot, I I wouldn't have, you know, there's no opportunity for character development. I don't think I would have said, let's do this. So what made it a story for you? Like what, what, what makes, I think it's a really interesting thing. A lot of people ask like what we can throw around the word storytelling and, and filmmaking, but like when you see the footage, what makes it a story? Like what, what makes it different from seeing three hours of some other footage? There were continual stakes that kept rising. So there were, essentially I was watching it and it seemed like there were three different YouTube videos in one because there were three different main activities that the group did in the movie and each activity got more and more intense. And before every activity, there was Wim Hof would sort of throw a wrench in the plan and totally disrupt what was happening. And spoiler alert. Sorry. Yeah. Hopefully you've seen <laughs> it. That this, if you haven't, I'm going to keep going. So make sure we should put that in the beginning of this yeah. pod. Spoiler. Spoilers for the movie. So if you haven't seen it yet. Yeah. So basically as he was, sort of flipping the script on the Yes Theory guys, you could just see how authentic it was that they didn't see these things coming. And so this was such a next level of these guys going through discomfort. It was so raw. It wasn't as simple. I mean, to even say this is simple, but it wasn't as simple as something like, we turned our house into a hotel or we flew a subscriber to Japan. This was true, like, serious what what looked like almost life-threatening discomfort for me when i watched Mm -hmm. and it progressed over the course of those three and a half hours very fluidly and so i thought all right this is actually a movie this isn't just a 15 minute youtube video about what happened so after we had watched the footage we went to go meet with them and we actually had have that whole interaction filmed which is awesome yeah um but we went to go meet with them at their house and just sit and like talk to them about what they thought the story was what we thought the story was um and from there at that point we had about 10 days before the movie was supposed to come out by the time we went to their house the next step after that was we decided that we were going to make this movie we're like you know what we're going to be on board we're going to make the movie after that it was 
Google Docs passed and forth, uh, passed back and forth, like written down in Google Docs. Here's the story of this movie. Here's the big chunks of how we see it going. Mm-hmm. And then Monday of that week, which was six days prior to the movie premiering, we moved into their new office in Venice, put our tables down, brought our computers, moved our office out of our own office, put it into their office, started cutting footage. Yeah, the, the first two things we did were. One, we wrote the history of Wim Hof section, which you'll see in the beginning, because we knew no matter what, we had to contextualize who Wim was, and that truly, that will be in the movie no matter what. No matter what the actual total story is, and if it changes throughout the week, that part will stay. So Thomas and I worked on writing VO for that, and then uh, also myself, TD, uh, Thomas Daher, who's uh, Matt's younger brother, who edits a lot of the S3 videos, and Samir, we, we... cut up the footage into days and started editing scenes. Now, the interesting thing, because the reality is Colin and I have made, we've made 45 minutes of content before, but across multiple episodes, like we've made web series before. But what you said about stakes continuing to rise, the thing that we learned about making a movie is that in a YouTube video, it's typically act one, act two, act three. It's over, like set up, conflict, tension, rise to like some sort of climax resolution. But in a 45-minute piece, that was happening multiple times. But then as a whole piece, that had to happen once. Mm -hmm. But using those multiple mini stories to tell the grander story. So quickly realizing, I think, that we we were new to this. Like, we were new to making long-form content. Even though we... But we were prepared. I think, like, we were new to it and we were prepared all at the same time. And the constraint of having six days just makes you learn fast. So yes, while we were editing, we're writing. And the amount of time as we go back, we filmed a lot of the processes. I go back and look at that. The amount of times we rewrote things and moved things around. And we even dropped an entire section of the movie a couple days prior to releasing it. But it was amazing how much care and uh, passion and just uh, attention to detail on the story there was between the group. I thought that was one of the coolest experiences uh, of going through that process was as we started making the movie, I mean, the writing and the rewriting and the writing and the rewriting all happening in concert with editing and Mm -hmm. editing and editing was fascinating. Yeah, it was interesting. Scenes were coming together in timelines, getting close to their final form. But even on Friday we didn't fully have the story yet and we were premiering it on Sunday. Mm-hmm. There's a clip as I watch back the behind the scenes footage where you're at a computer and someone asks you, where are we at right now? And you go, Oh, just story. We're still, still working on the story. And I yeah. was thinking, my gosh, it's, this is Friday. Yeah. So, so logistically, if you're, or technically, if you're interested, the way we did it is we cut these different scenes that we knew were really good scenes. And those we operated as like big blocks. Now each of those scenes took a really long time to cut and make, good and then basically we operated those as blocks and then looked for transitional moments between the blocks to make the movie flow but those blocks were starting to move around to say where does this make sense in the story or does it even make or does it even make sense and sometimes those huge blocks that we spent two days editing just we're not going to make it ended up in the credits ended up in the credits (laughs) yeah that's if you watch the movie the credits uh was a whole scene in the movie that just didn't didn't make it but when i say writing um it was physical writing, 
actually the way we did it is we wrote out the story on these massive post-it notes and we put them on the wall so that we could all see the story we were telling. We could all see how things needed to flow. We could all see what came before and after the different scenes we were cutting. Um, and that was probably the most helpful thing that we could do. Yeah, that is, was essential. Is actually writing it out. Yeah, to be able to, when we were all sitting around a computer talking about a scene, it was super important to then be able to look right at the wall and know where this scene fits into the grander context of the story. Because then you can make decisions with the grander context of the story in mind. Now, this was a super fun process um, to do it. It was fun and one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my life at the same time. Like, it was so fun to be making a movie because you're like, this is what I've always wanted to do with my life. But it was so challenging because the editing process just takes time and takes a lot of time. Not to mention, for all the other editors out there who are listening, we, they edit on Final Cut Pro. And we traditionally always edit on Premiere. So we had to come in and starting on Monday, learn a new edit software. Yeah, which is a whole nother like- That's a different added, pod. No, but it's like an <laughs> added constraint, right? Like, yeah. of course, your first movie is gonna, you're gonna have to learn a new software within I five days. never used that software Yeah, I've never before. used it either. Yeah. It's very different. It's, it's, it's very challenging to figure that out. So yeah, the Monday, Monday and Tuesday was basically just dedicated to learning that software and like, constantly having to ask questions mm -hmm. and be like how do you do this but the time constraint just made everything move faster it just makes everything like the learning just move faster everything move faster the most challenging part was that all this stuff takes a lot of time it's not a massive team there was three to four of us uh, at max when everyone was working on it there was four people but really it was three uh for the majority of the week and we're up until somewhere between two and three, sometimes 4 a.m., and then back at it at like 8.39. So it was such a grueling process. And there was times where I was just like, this is, this is like, yes, I think I'm fulfilling a dream, but at the same time, I'm like, this is such a tax on my body <laughs> and my, my health and my mind. And like, this is so hard. Um, by Wednesday... The boys, Amar, Thomas, all the Yes Theory boys were leaving Thursday. By Wednesday, you know, I had talked to Amar prior about a premiere. We've brought up a premiere <laughs> a couple times. I, I had this idea of like, what if we throw this like massive premiere to promote the movie, but then make the movie like not available? Like, I don't know. I had the, all these ideas about a premiere. And I think Amar really connected with that and... um he's a man who I've never experienced in my life. Someone be able to bring something to life like he can. I've he's, never, just never seen it ever. He's so good at mobilizing people to help. <laughs> I've never seen it before. He really can. He, he, he always talks about like, you know, building a city of people. Uh, and he does it constantly. He constantly brings a city together yeah. and, and of people to help. So on Wednesday, he's like, you know, we're going to, we're going to throw a premiere here on Sunday night. So by, I think by Thursday morning, there's like a huge <laughs> projector uh, downstairs yeah, in their office. There's a team of people. Yeah, there's a team of people like setting up a premiere. And Wednesday night, I think we were still pretty far, very far from having a movie. Very and just far. the fact that we're editing upstairs and below us is a screening room now. Like what has turned into a premiere, like it adds that pressure, adds that constraint of no matter what something is going to play in front of a room full of people on Sunday night, what do you want it to be? Yeah. 
you know, it and felt, it felt like playing in the big game. Yeah, it felt like playing like a big sports game because you're like Sunday night's the big game. I have a finite amount of time to prepare for it. Yeah, it's really fun. So that was an added amount of pressure and and uh, just a really interesting thing. The next couple of days were really challenging and dedicated towards um, continuing to fine tune the story. And then once you fine tune the story, you have to fine tune the actual like edit like the movie like the Sometimes audio that takes so the long music and that's just time consuming it's just so time consuming like it's not a surprise why movies take months to make yeah you know this is this is very painstaking uh, detail oriented fine tuning of clips and music and color and all that stuff i mean just to give you context by the time sunday rolled around we're still fine tuning things to the point where people are essentially filing in to watch the movie and just then we are finishing of course you know like that's yeah. like we're we're coloring the movie at 6:30 and the screening starts at 8 yeah so we export literally just in time bring it down and we have not even watched the full cut of the movie yet all at once there's almost a hundred people downstairs and like a pretty wild group of people yeah you know like like influencers uh youtubers that we've watched and looked up to like people that are whoa like these are the people who are going to watch our movie and there's a hundred people in this room and we're going to watch it for the first time with them it was surprising (laughs) yeah the people yeah it was crazy um it was a very very crazy experience and i'm sitting there and I remember I have my hand on the play button. I'm the one who pressed play. Uh, and I was next to like the, the mixing dial for the audio, for the projector. And I'm just looking around. I cannot believe how many people are in the room. Yeah. And the amazing thing is, even when we put up a YouTube video, I mean, let's say 10,000, 20,000 views, right? And you look at that number and you're like, okay, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome that all these people want to watch my stuff. There's nothing in the world like a hundred people in a room waiting to watch your movie. I was so nervous. There's nothing like it. I was nervous about how they were going to react. I was nervous. You know, we hadn't even watched it. I told some people before, and I was like, hey, listen, we haven't watched this yet. There might be some parts that just get weird because <laughs> <laughs> I don't even yeah. know. I just don't know what's going to happen. So that was, that was really interesting to learn about what it's like to have you know, video, uh, content, movie, play in front of people, like, like being in the community environment. You know, it's, it's, it's not super different from thinking about people playing your record in music and like playing it at home. And you have no understanding of what that experience is like for them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it, with our videos, we have no understanding. Even this podcast, we don't, we don't really know how you're receiving this podcast. It's, it's totally different. Like when we did at UCLA, we did a live episode. You're sitting in a room. Yes, you know, there's, there's 20 to 50 people sitting in front of you. That's a completely different experience because like when they laugh, you're like, whoa. Yeah. You know, or when they, when they go quiet or when they, you know, yeah. when you can feel the room react to something you said, it's a completely different experience than right now if this is in your AirPods or in your car or, you know, wherever you're listening to this. Everyone's having an individual experience, but the collective experience of people sitting in this room about to watch our movie, the energy was crazy. Like it was one of the it was one of the most exhilarating experiences of my life. Yeah, and then the movie starts and the group would start to laugh at times that I didn't always know were meant to be funny. And but then other times, you know, they would laugh at a moment that you 
purposefully wanted to generate a laugh out of. And then you would notice when they were just hooked, everyone was on the edge of their seats and it was really quiet. And at the end, I mean, when the credits came and it said a film by Yes Theory, everyone erupted. It was so cool. Yeah, at that point, that was at that that was the moment for me where I was like, "Oh my god, I I am realizing a dream." Because yeah. whenever when the movie was done and people are cheering and like, it almost went without any hiccups. We had one hiccup in the premiere, but like, people erupt and people are cheering and clapping and like throughout the entire credits like when our name came on the screen people were like cheering and like Woo, and that was so cool such a cool experience and um i remember my heart was just like pounding i was so excited about it that we had pulled it off like yeah. all this work and all these people were so entertained mm-hmm. you know and that's the goal that's the goal of of making a movie is telling a story that's gonna deliver a message which i believed in the message so much and i still do i believe in that that message that we got out there and i believe in the entertainment and i just like so exciting and after that we did like a little q a kind of thing like a little speech thing Mm -hmm. and uh stood in front and got to talk about the experience of making the film and look at everyone in the crowd and like just thank them for being there and like honestly in that moment that was just like a really felt like realizing a dream mm-hmm. and Amar was very complimentary of us mm-hmm. which was which was amazing and I think because of that after a lot of people came up to us and said great job and were asking us questions and wanted to grab coffee with us and just to have that immediate feedback with people in a room is just unlike anything I've ever experienced unlike it, it. all of a sudden I felt like I was a part of a, of a community I still feel like now like we are a part of a community over there in Venice mm-hmm. we happen to live far from Venice, but it was just amazing to see that physical representation of people who like your work all in one room, people who you've never met, but want to come up to you and say, great job. It's just, it's the most I've ever felt like, uh, like an artist in the way that I thought or mm-hmm. I think of artists mm-hmm. to be, you know, like really displaying your work in public for people to see. Robert Greene is an uh, author and he wrote a book called 48 laws of power. He's a couple other books that he's written. Um, and we went to go see him and Ryan Holiday speak. And Robert Greene said something really interesting. He said, it's one of the best feelings in the world to have a book. But it sucks to write it. And I thought that that moment for me felt so similar to that. Like, it's one of the best feelings in the world to have a film. But making a film sucks. And when you look back on it, such a fun week yeah, to it, make it. it. There were parts of it that sucked. Yeah. I mean, it's hard work. That's <laughs> but, like, all I'm saying is it's hard, hard, hard work to make the movie. I don't know if it's something you could do back to back, week to week. Yeah. You would just burn out. But Unless you had a big team. But to be a part of that team was so enjoyable. I mean, even when it was really late and we did not think we had a movie, we were all able to laugh mm-hmm. and joke and enjoy it. Yeah. I just really enjoyed being a part of that team and spending time with everybody. Yeah, I look back on that as as uh, like some of the most enjoyable days, you know, and and one of the most enjoyable projects we've done together. Like that, that was unbelievable. And I think um, you know the day after we put out the film, and obviously, yes, theory has like such a big audience that it's immediately received, and people are so excited, and it's 
you know, it's 45 minutes long and we didn't know how it was going to be received. And now one week later, um, we're looking at just about 2.2 million people have watched that movie. There's 15,000 comments. There's over 150,000 likes on it on YouTube. It's unbelievable to make something that, you know, that many people watch. And mostly I would say it's unbelievable to make something that we got to premiere in front of people. Yeah, that to me is the most memorable. It's funny. I've said many times that a goal of mine is to make something that millions of people watch. Mm -hmm. And that's happened to us a couple of times. You know, we've been fortunate for that to happen throughout our career, but I, I really wanted to make something long that millions of people saw and that had a big impact. And this was it. I mean, it has 2 million, like you said, over 2 million views. But when I look back at the experience, like without a doubt, the most memorable part of it is the premiere with 80 people. Mm. You know, that I can feel it's, 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 you look at the, at the 2 million and it's hard to understand what that means. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just hard to wrap your mind around 2 million people. Like that's just too, it's like too much to wrap your mind around, but a hundred people in a room like cheering and laughing and stuff like that. Like when you're a part of that, that feels completely different. I think it really just speaks to the importance of community and Mm -hmm. your immediate community, right? Mm -hmm. How, how valuable that is, how important that is. And, you know, you, you can't discount the value of sharing on the internet. You know, we, a year ago, one of our subscribers left a comment saying you guys should check out yesterday you remind me of them so one person's view and one person's comment changed our lives drastically because of the internet so you can't discount the value that the internet and sharing online can bring to you but at the same time doing something in person and having uh, those types of tangible human interactions is just it's so priceless it really goes to show you though, like putting out your work, if you're an artist, uh, if you have an idea, just putting it out there, it can lead you to places that you would have never imagined, you know? And, and if you really trace all of this back, I've had the dream of making a movie since I was in high school. And I didn't know that in, in high school, making the decision to play lacrosse was going to lead me to making a movie that millions of people saw. Yeah, no you way. could have never you could have never told me that at that age, but in some crazy way, um, it did. And I think that you've said this before, but I think the most important takeaway from all of this is all of your dreams are possible. Um, and even if the thing you're doing today feels unrelated to your dream, if you give the thing you're doing today, you're hundred percent. If you give it everything that you possibly can, whatever that is that you're doing, um, that has the potential to lead you to your dream because the exposure to other people watching you work, the person you might meet who's really affected by you doing, you know, hundred percent, whatever it is that you're doing, um, anything, all those things, you just have no idea. So if you give your effort to whatever you're doing today, as if it was you pursuing your dream, um, it most likely will operate as a stepping stone to get you there mm-hmm. because you just, I mean, it's just how it works. Like, yeah, it seems like the, the, the two things was one going a hundred percent in on what we were currently doing, which was lacrosse, mm-hmm. a, a passion of ours, but also eventually stating our intention, putting it out there in the universe because when the opportunity did come up, we'd said it enough that yes, theory knew that was something we wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, so that it goes hand in hand. It's be a hundred percent in on what you're currently doing 
be present in that moment, but also if there's something else that you want to do, make sure to state that intention, put it out in the world so that other people can help. Yeah, don't keep your crazy dreams to yourself. Yeah. You know, like state your crazy dreams, however crazy they are. State them. Like you said it actually when we were with Mary, we, uh, this musician, Mary Spender, came by our, our studio and we were talking and she has this dream of playing Wembley Stadium mm. and she says it out loud. And it sounds crazy because Wembley Stadium's like massive. That's a, that's the big it's one of the biggest venues in the world, and she wants to play it. It sounds crazy, but when you say it, like when you say it out loud, when you write it down, if you uh, if you like really really believe it, you'll convince yourself and you'll start acting like you are going to play Wembley. Yeah, and you're not going to accomplish any of these dreams alone. Right. So putting it out there in the universe and letting other people get involved. Is, is super important. Yeah. Not, not to, uh, <laughs> not, I'm going to do it, but not to like quote Logan Paul, but I'm going to quote Logan Paul. Uh, I don't think you can say not to do it and then to and do then it. And then do it. That's, yeah. Okay. So you should just say to quote. Okay. This is not something that I'm going to do often on this podcast, <laughs> but, um, I've heard stories that Logan to this day still has a post-it, uh, note on his bathroom mirror that has his goals, his life goals. And um, it still says to be the biggest entertainer in the world. And it said that since he was 16. And I've heard from other people that have gone to his house and used his bathroom that it's like, it's weird <laughs> that there is a post-it note that says these like crazy things like, like make $10 million off my clothing line. Yeah. And like, like big, big goals and affirmations that are on post-it notes on his bathroom uh, mirror. And apparently he walks in every morning and he says them out loud to himself. And it's, it sounds like a crazy person thing to do, right? Like you're speaking to yourself with these like big grandiose goals. But I, I think it's a common thing that you hear between uh, amongst people who have done very big things mm -hmm. that they do have these affirmations, that they do write them down in the morning, that they do um, say them out loud, that they do express their dreams. Yeah, it's good to remind yourself of them even. It's easy to forget and get caught up and three or four days go by and you haven't thought mm -hmm. about your dream. You haven't thought about the steps that you're taking. Yeah. I mean, does it feel like uh, realizing a dream? Making this movie? Hmm. It's interesting. It feels actually more so like the first step of realizing some grander dream. Mm. Now, it's almost like that just showed me what was possible that I'm capable of writing a story like that mm -hmm. and that we're capable of putting something together like that because there were so many things throughout the process and even after putting it out, we realized, oh, we could do better. Or if we were to do oh, this yeah. again, we I don't wanna... believe this is our, I, and I don't want to discount it, but I don't believe this is our best work. No, I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't feel like that. I think it's really good work of ours and I'm proud of it. I didn't even look at the comments. I could. It's, oh, um, I read them all. I mean, there's 15,000. It's great that so you read them it's, all. It's almost I, impossible to read them all, but there's 15,000 and they're all incredibly positive. That's great. I was, ner I was nervous yeah. about what we had, but that's like, that's like anything. Any artist that spends too much time next to the, the piece mm -hmm. <laughs> thinks it's, is not sure what it is by the time they put it out. Yeah. Do you? feel like yeah, yeah yeah i i mean but i also think the dream is just how to spend time right it's not it's not a destination it's not like an endpoint. the dream is not like 
oh, there it is. We've arrived. It's like, oh, this I've figured out kind of how I want to spend my time and what I really enjoy um, about this whole process. Figuring that out, I think, is a dream. And figuring out how to do that over and over and over again, that's the dream. But experiencing something that brings you so much happiness and joy, like like the night of the premiere, um, that for me was a moment where I was like, okay, this feeling is a dream. Yeah, this moment is not is is dreamy. It's amazing. It's a th- it's a thing I always wanted to happen. But the feeling is a complete dream, and I want that feeling more. I want it over and over and over again. And you think about what was that feeling in that premiere? It was the feeling of being respected, validated, appreciated. It's common things that can come in, yeah, yeah, yeah. in everyday life. It can life, come in everyday life. But it just all came at one point. That's what I mean. I, I wanted to be clear that it's not it's not super, super specific. I think for me, it's bringing something to life that didn't exist before. I love that. That's the nothing better in, in the world to me than taking something that didn't exist and making it exist. I like that a lot. And then taking that thing and sharing it with others and having them having it affect them in some way. So that's happened a lot through filmmaking, but that can actually happen through a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, making movies is a dream of mine, but that feeling that I felt at the premiere, that is the, yeah, that is the the dream. Why is it a dream of yours? It's to be like loved, Mm -hmm. appreciated, involved in a community. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And creating, like I want to be creating. I want to take something that doesn't exist and make it exist. Mm -hmm. I, I like that. That's like a, it's like a, really gives me a, uh, a high to do that. And I think it's why I enjoy just like putting out videos or, or putting out podcasts is just like, oh yeah, I would love to have this conversation. And then as we're talking, we're building the conversation and then we put it out and people receive it on the other end. And it's like so interesting to me that you can do that. And there's so many tools available to you now to do that. So I think uh, one week later, after this whole experience, like what's amazing is it's important to not get caught in the highs of this stuff because it can feel like there's a low after. Like if you do something that's so, so amazing, you're so excited and it was such a big dream, the next week is like potentially relatively quiet. And it's like, all right, yeah, now back to back to other things, you know, keep trying to push along, keep trying to make something like that happen again. But um, being able to reflect on it and say like that, that was a dream, that was awesome. That was amazing. Understand why and then say, how can I do that again? Uh, But not attaching something super concrete to it. Not saying like it has to be exactly like that again. For me, I just look at it and think that was worth the time spent. Mm -hmm. All the time spent. You know, sometimes you have weeks go by and you think, what did I even do this week? Yeah. You know, we have that sometimes. You look look back, what happened? That's one that I won't forget. And I'm really happy I spent, you know, seven days of my life doing that. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just think when I look back, there's so many times in my life where now, like you, like just to bring it back to the start of the podcast, like connecting the dots backwards, I'm like, oh, wow, I was realizing a dream. You know? Mm-hmm. And I wish I was more present during those moments. Mm-hmm. Like just to take it all the way back to when I was 14 years old and playing music and I've told the story before, but 14 year old uh, in a band playing music, we, we booked the Roxy on the Sunset Strip, which is like a big venue and we sold it out for our show. And I remember playing that show and afterwards thinking like, man, like one day I'm going to sell out the Roxy or like sell out venues. 
But like really stepping back and being like, oh, I did it. That's cool. That's a really cool moment. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't happen again, that's okay. You know, obviously it was my dream to go on and play more music and keep doing it, but it didn't happen. And obviously being 14 years old, you can't understand like what's going on. But then again, with Lacrosse Network, like such a dream of mine was like travel around, like be Mm -hmm. a, be a personality, be a face. And we, we did that. We were on national television. We signed autographs. So much of that time was me thinking, wow, this is great stepping stone for me to then go on and do this on a bigger scale. Without now, today, when I look back, I'm like, that was the thing. That was the thing. I don't, right now, I don't even like, I don't know. I I just can't, I can't foresee a future where something, where I'm part of a community like that, so integrated in it, love the people so much, and they reciprocate that so much. Like maybe that type of stuff will happen again. But that exact moment, like I wish I was more present for a lot of those moments. Hmm. Yeah, I I would agree that I talked about that on a past pod that that's Mm -hmm. something I am trying to do more so in my 30s is just be more present and more appreciative of of the current moments that I'm having and not, not go through that experience last week only thinking about what it's not. Yes. Exactly. That's well, such this a good is cool, line. but it's not. Yeah. It's such a good line, man. It's so many times in my life have I gone through something and thought, this is cool, but, mm-hmm. you know, this is cool, but, but it's not the, the dream. It's not the thing. But like the dream never happens how you think it's going to happen. And it never happens when you think it's going to happen. It never happens how why any of those things it just happens if you really put yourself towards it if you state it every day it happens but the scariest thing is to let it pass by without recognizing that it happened yeah and keep thinking that like i want that to happen so bad but like recognizing that it happens yeah sometimes i just need to tell myself like shut up man (laughs) like like, (laughs) like, life is cool life is exciting sometimes it's tough but every day is exciting and interesting and Mm -hmm. you don't need I, i i gotta stop doing the this is cool but mm-hmm. yeah i think that's that's a that's a it's you learn it along the way but you know really sinking into the fact that all of these moments are amazing all these moments have their own you know hold their own value and they're not existing to get you to the next place they're they're existing and they're super amazing and um being present in them is so important so i think that's uh that's a memory that I'll keep with me for a long time. I'm so glad we filmed so much of it. We're going to release that footage on our YouTube channel. We're putting together a video about um, the experience. You can actually have you can actually have visuals to pair with this podcast after you listen to this. Be like, oh, wow, that's what it looked like when they were writing the movie. That's what it looked like when they premiered it. That's what it looked like when, um, you know, it was late nights or whatever. Like, we're, we're going to put a piece together about it. And we'd love for you to watch it if you haven't already. I don't think we've spoiled too much of it. There's actually a lot in there that we did not yet spoil. So make sure to head over to Yes Theory's YouTube channel and watch it and let us know what you think if you have not. Yeah, it's titled, what is it titled? Superhuman Training with the Iceman? Yeah. You'll see it. It sticks out. The movie is titled Frozen Alive, but the, the YouTube title is geared towards, you know, being more clickable. And, uh, and, and the thumbnail is Thomas and Wim Hof, like covered in ice. Those guys are really good at titles and thumbnails. They are. <laughs> it's like, it's basically like the movie poster for it. Uh, yeah. yeah they're, I'm, they're really I, good at last it. thing I'll say is I'm also just so proud to have made a movie and put it out on YouTube mm-hmm. because I feel so passionately about YouTube and, and how it's 
uh, a platform really open to everyone to create. So I, I love that, you know, our first movie was put out on YouTube on a platform that I really uh, believe in YouTube, as well as the yes theory channel. So one of our uh, subscribers, the guy who a year ago commented and told us that we should check out yes theory. Uh, his username is mystery bop. Carry on shout. I just wanted to say shout out to mystery <laughs> bop. Like, uh, if you're listening to this, we really appreciate it. And and again, like Colin said, we really do read the comments. We read the reviews for this podcast. We read our tweets. We check out our emails, even if we don't respond to them. Um, we read them. And your feedback means everything to us. Like we said, building a community is the most important thing to us. Like being at that premiere with people, um, getting feedback, talking to them, laughing, like enjoying the moment with them. Uh, was amazing. Now, we can't always do that physically with people, but the experience that we get to have with all of you through this podcast, through our YouTube channel, that's that's what we're in it for. That's why we create. So, you know, whether it's an email or a tweet or a review on the podcast or a comment on YouTube, it means a lot to us. And it can it can even change our lives just like this one did. So if you've been following us for a long time, you know that making a documentary was such a big dream of ours. And and we got to achieve it. And, you know, the, the premiere and everything was amazing. And we hope it's not the last one. I don't think it's the last one. I think it's it's one of many. And I think um, achieving that feeling again in many different shapes and forms is, is what we're chasing now. My next dream, Heli Bungie over the Grand Canyon. Okay, that's it <laughs> this week for the colonists. Um, I also just wanted to say uh, we are now on Anchor, which is a podcast platform. Um, you know, you can download the Anchor app and check it out. But the reason I bring that up is because there's a cool feature in the Anchor app, which is voice messages. And we've actually gotten some voice messages. We're going to do a whole podcast episode where we integrate those. But if you have Anchor, just check it out and, and leave us a voice message. I think it's a cool feature. It's fun to think about integrating your actual voice, asking us a question and doing a Q&A episode like that. So Ooh, yeah, I'd love to we'll, do that. Yeah. So we'll let, we'll let some of those come in if, if you made it all the way to the end of this episode. Um, check out Anchor and, and you know, do a uh, do a voice message. I think that would be really cool. That's it this week for the Colin and Samir podcast. We're so incredibly grateful to the boys from Yes Theory for bringing us onto the project, everyone who came to the premiere, and everyone who's watched the film so far. If you haven't seen it yet, you can head over to youtube.com slash yestheory and check out the film. It's called Superhuman Training with Iceman, and the movie title is Frozen Alive. We're so excited about the response to the film, and honestly, we just can't wait to make our next movie. One of the biggest takeaways from this experience is to be present in the moment. A lot of times, if you put your mind to it, your dreams will come true, but not exactly how you thought they would or when you thought they would. They might just look completely different from how you imagine them in your head, but it's important to try and recognize when they actually might be happening right in front of you. If you've been enjoying the show, make sure to review the pod. And like I mentioned, we're actually now on Anchor, which means that you can download that app and send us a voice message. I don't fully know how that works, but we'd love to try out that feature and see what kind of voice messages you guys send us and how we can integrate them into our podcast. All right, that's it this week. We're off to New York in a couple of days, and we'll be back next week for another episode of the Colin and Samir podcast.